Welcome to Our Social Impact. This is Dirk Van Velzen, and I'm Executive Director of the Prison Scholar Fund, where we have a mission of providing education and employment assistance to help incarcerated people succeed and thrive in society while avoiding homelessness and the revolving door of incarceration. Today we have Lacey West, Executive Director of the Service Board. So thanks for joining us, Lacey. Thank you for having me. So tell me about the service board. What do you guys do there? Uh, TSB. Uh, we've been around for 24 years, and we basically, well, in a nutshell, I say we build youth leaders. We're a youth-led organization, and we do that through, most of us, most people know, through snowboarding. Uh, but we also do other outdoor adventure. We do social justice and environmental justice education and public service. So we go out to the community and do service projects. So the people that know call you TSB. TSB, yes. So how did it start? A bunch of snowboarders said, hey, let's uh, give opportunity to guys who don't go snowboarding? <laughs> well, we have our two founders, so two founders, one of our founders owned a snowboard shop um, in Pioneer Square. Many um, remember SnowCon. Um, and he, there used to be this youth that came by the shop all the time, and he took him up snowboarding and just saw a lot of good changes within him just from taking him snowboarding. Um, and then the youth tragically died in a drug-related murder, and um, our that founder and then our another founder, a good friend of his, said, you know, we need to bring the community together to um, stop this, and, you know, we, we think snowboarding is a way to do this because it's when you get out your comfort zone and try something you've never tried before, it really, like, what we call pushes your growing edge and then springs you to do other things in your life that you would never think of doing. Some people that snowboard thing that's so natural, but how do you how do you introduce somebody that's never done that before? Uh, yeah, a lot a lot of our well, uh, most of our youth that come in the program and also our mentors have never snowboarded, and the way we talk about it is just um, pushing your growing edge, trying something new, and this is something um, where we're from in Seattle. We see the mountains all the time, and like myself, I saw them all the time growing up, but I've never had the opportunity to ever try any type of snow sport or even really go to the mountains. So that's how we kind of hook people saying, come and help youth, but also come and snowboard as well. So who's kind of your, your target demographic? Who do you approach? Um, most of well, um, the organization started with youth just from Seattle, like in the city. And what we say now is we serve marginalized communities. Um, so communities who don't have access or the resources to uh, to even like snowboarding, but just uh, who don't have access in general to a lot of things. We talk a lot about historical racism and just um, marginalized communities um, in general. Uh, so a lot of our youth, uh, the youth that we serve are all high school students. Yeah, I remember when I was growing up, I was a skier, but all my, I had a couple <laughs> of friends who were snowboarders. It seemed like skating was kind of a path into snowboarding. So it was kind of skating a path yeah. for the inner city people. Yeah, so a lot of our youth are skateboarders. Um, yeah, very similar being on the snowboard. And snowboard community is kind of like the cool community. Um, we don't, everyone's like, why don't you guys ski? And we're like, well, you don't want to ski. They want to snowboard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot. Uh, we, we just say we tackle all the board sports. So we just don't do snowboarding or skateboarding. We also uh, do surfing as well. Really? How yeah. about wakeboarding? Did you take them out on the boat? No, we, we haven't done that. We, uh, we've we just gone out to Westport for the past two years. We have a really cool partner um, called Lodge. And um, through them, we're able to um, surf out there because they provide the surfboards. We get lessons and the, the wetsuits. 
So how does that work? Because I've tried to surf before. I could <laughs> all day in Maui. I could never get up. Well, first of all, we made sure we had good instructors. Yeah, so, I didn't have one of those. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, just like how we do snowboarding, there's a lot of risk attached to it. So we always want to make sure that um, we have some really good instructors and always, always go over safety first. Very cool. Yeah, which is not the, the fun and glamorous part, but it's the most important part. So you like your parent too, still? Yeah, kind of, but we're kind of like the cool parents because yeah. uh, most of our mentors are close in age to our youth. Uh, so. so how does the whole program work? It sounds like, it just sounds so fun. Let's, like you have a nonprofit <laughs> and your mission is we're going to take kids skiing or snowboarding, excuse yeah. me. So how how uh, do you have a curriculum, or you just go out there and snow go snowboarding? No, we have a we have a very detailed, intentional curriculum that we plan every year. Uh, so our we have three programs that we essentially run through TSB. Our first one is core program, and that's where we really go up to the mountain. So that's January through June, and um, we go on the mountain on Saturdays, and also do service projects in the communities on Saturdays. And then on Wednesday nights, we tackle social and environmental justice issues. Um, and our youth lead those workshops. So it can be anything from, we tackle a lot about this year, um, homelessness, um, food injustice, so things that are affecting our communities. And then after core program, we do our summer program, which we call SLIP, which is our summer leadership impact program. And this was the first year we had a full program. And we also still tackle the same kind of topics. Uh, but we do a retreat, a surfing retreat, and we get a lot more in the outdoors because the weather is, is really nice. And that's a that's like a four-week program. So it sounds like they have to pay for the fun of snowboarding with a little bit of learning. So is there an attrition rate when they find out they actually have to do some work? No, I mean, they very much know the expectations before they fill out the application. Uh, but we find that our youth want this. They want their voices heard, and this is one reason why TSB was created, because um, youth wanted a safe space where they can be themselves. Um, and we talk a lot about, you know, that like from beginning of the program, we talk a lot about undoing institutionalized racism or gender equality um, and how it's important that we talk about things as simple as pronouns, why they're important to our youth. Um, so it's, it's a space where our youth can come be themselves and develop into leaders and say, what can I do in my communities to make it better? And snowboarding is just kind of the hook and the fun part of what we do and the surfing now. So it sounds like the coolest organization in the world. So what was your path to there? How, how does somebody become executive director of oh. an organization that is so fun? Well, I, I looked into it because I knew someone who worked there and they were looking for an executive director at the time. Uh, but my journey is I, I always wanted to work in some field where I was giving back to my community. Um, I don't feel like I'd be where I would be today without the support of several community organizations and community folks that really cared about my path. Uh, so I knew in college I, I wanted to get back. So it's the reason why I went to business school, which sounds like the opposite. Why would you go to business school if you want to go to nonprofit? But I really needed those skills to be able to say, how could I run a successful nonprofit someday? Um, and after college, I was fortunate to get a really cool job with United Negro College Fund, helping youth um, get to and through college. And so that really, I found my love for um, fundraising, because not a lot of people like to fundraise. I know, Dirk, you know all about oh. that. <laughs> you, know? you were like at College, college Access Now. Right? Yeah, I was at College Access Now for a year, and um, I was doing all the fundraising uh, for CAN. 
Uh, but I, I just found my love somehow because I look at fundraising as more of building relationships versus asking people for money. Yeah. And I think that's why I actually started liking it and, and got good at it um, because it's just asking people to support something that you're passionate about. And these folks should be passionate about it as well, especially the ones who are in our own communities. So tell, tell me about business school. Are you a Husky? I am a Husky. Uh, all right. Uh, we, we had a tough game on Saturday, but... A lot of external factors too. So I was born and raised in Seattle. I kind of never left. So I'm definitely a hometown girl. Uh, but yeah. So business school is probably actually applicable to the, being a nonprofit because a nonprofit is still a corporation. It's just you yeah. don't have shareholders. Yeah, it's, it's, still, it's very similar. Um, yeah, it's, it's just I think tax status. That's how yeah. I look at it because you still have to run it in a smart way. Yeah, and I think that's like one of the problems with people when they run nonprofits, like their hearts in it, but they don't really have the skills. Yeah. So you probably came with a pretty good skill set. Yeah, and I, 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 a lot of that has came from experience too. Um, I worked eight years at, at UNCF, and I received a lot of great training there, and just through trial and error. Um, and I applied some of the things I learned at business school. But I think working in the nonprofit sector is, is a lot about relationships. Um, and then you can always find people who have skills that you don't have to help you with things um, that you need help with. So speaking of that, like, what is your skill set? Like, if you left your role now, what are your transferable skills from business school and your history? I well, I think I, I got my degree in marketing and communications. That's so, a big part of what yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I could, you know, I have I use mark my marketing skills every day um, at the service board, finding ways to make us more visible. Um, how do we best tell our story? Um, and communication skills all the time with um, donor cultivation and stewardship. I think that's one of my skills that would be transferable into any um, place I go work, right? Uh, I would say, too, I've gotten really good at finances. Even though my <laughs> background is not finance or accounting, you just have to uh, when you're dealing with the numbers all day and being a, a small nonprofit. You know, just like as I know, you know, your numbers are everything. You have to watch them month by month. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> so you said you mentioned something about telling stories. So do you have any favorite stories of people you have gone through your program that you just? You know, I I don't because I've learned. and I, You know, when I was at UNCF, I did have some stories that I would tell folks about some of our youth. But being at TSB has taught me a lot, too, about um my own voice and respecting youth voice. So I try not to tell youth stories because that is their own story and I, that's their power and I want to keep it with them. And usually it's like playing telephone, right? When you tell someone else a story, you always leave something out yeah. or something gets changed. Uh, so I, I try not to do it too much, but from my own experience, I have stories that I tell folks about my experience with TSB, like the first time I ever went snowboarding. Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> oh, so you're, you became ED before you're, you knew how to snowboard. Yes. Oh, and I asked if that was on. their requirement. And they were like, no, 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 you don't have to. Um, we want you here. You just have to be there. You <laughs> yeah. have to wear a jacket. Yeah. and I, uh, But I actually love snowboarding now. Uh, but yeah, I remember the first time I went up, I was scared to death. And I wasn't even like on a lift. I was just like on a little bunny hill. <laughs> have you ever skated before? Or? Yeah, I skateboarded when I was younger. So you had that. Yeah. yeah. But the, the thing about snowboarding is you're strapped in. Whereas skateboard, if you're about to fall, you just jump off. If you take your foot off. Yeah. But this, yeah, you're, you're strapped in. So you have to know how to fall properly. And that's the first thing I learned was how to fall properly. Okay. Um, which can be scary when that's the first thing you learn because I'm like, oh, I'm going to fall. Uh, but I think the biggest story that I tell everyone because it was so just enlightening for me was the first time I ever got on the lift. And it was one of our youth. 
that she told me, she said, hey, if I'm doing this, you can do this too. And she was scared, but she was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so I couldn't tell her no. So what is the age range of the youth you help? Um, uh, all high school students. So okay. I'd say like 13 to 19. And it's and when they're telling you to go, you're like, okay, I can't say no, right? <laughs> so I was terrified to death. I closed my eyes the whole way there, but I actually got off and got down the mountain fine. And it was so, I think, exhilarating for me. I think, one, to see the view on the top of the mountain, but also just going down. And just, it's, it's a serene feeling when you get to the bottom. Yeah, so how many people from the inner city have ever been to the a natural environment like that to see it? Looking down from the top of the mountain is pretty, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, the majority of our youth have, have never been to any of these mountains. So like even Snoqualmie, which is 40 minutes away from Seattle. So um, for them, it's just amazing. And you can really tell the difference after they've done a mountain day. Uh, how They just come in differently. Yeah, do they think that like that was something for other people? But now that they're actually doing it, it's like, wow. Yeah. And then they go up to mountain and they see all these folks and they're like, oh my gosh, no one looks like me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If you go on a mountain, it's very, it's very uh, race and class yeah. segregated. It's very segregated. And I think, some, like you said, they don't feel like they belong. But when they get there, they're like, we're here. We belong. Um, we have a space in the lodge that's kind of like reserved for us. Really? We eat lunch oh. together. Um, we have their gear. They the get some really nice top-of-the-line gear. Very cool. So you have great sponsors. Oh, yeah. Like. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to Evo. Evo's been awesome for they us. They are awesome. Yeah. Uh, C3, which is like Cole, Mervins, um, K2. Like, we would not be able, and Ride, I shouldn't forget about Ride, but we wouldn't be able to have the program we have without all of our retail partners. Oh, yeah. I had no idea how you outfitted the... Yeah, so we get all, mostly all of our gear is donated. We rarely buy anything, and that may be if we just don't have one size for a youth. Uh, but yeah, and as you know, like a snowboard itself can range from, you know, $400 all the way to $1,000. So the fact that our youth get the nice equipment, some of it's gently used, most of it's brand new, and then they get to keep it. That's when they're done, ask, yeah. that is so cool. If they um, come to 80% of program offerings, they get to keep all their gear. The graduation pro- yeah. is like snowboard, pants, pants, gloves, uh, jacket, gloves jacket, boots, goggles. Uh, goggles, all of that. Wow, can I come? Yeah. <laughs> we have guests come up all the time, yeah. so you're welcome to come. I'm we a skier. Will they, will they throw a rod in No, no, no. We have tons of skiers that come up. Okay. Um, or it's just fun just to come up and hang out. Some folks don't even come up to snowboard. They just want to just be on the mountain with the youth. And I think that's a cool thing, too. So tell me about the, the social justice angle of it, because that's kind of how you and I met yeah. through Social Venture Partners. Yeah. Social justice is really core to our values and what we do. Um, we understand that um, you know our communities all the time um, are marginalized and is, is historical. And then we always talk about how can we change systems. And one, we at TSB, we believe our youth are the catalyst for that, which is why we invest a lot in our youth. So we actually do a peer leader program, which um, our, our first year youth, which we call profits, can come back for their second year as peer leaders and our peer leaders design program. So they design the curriculum, they fill what topics the youth would want to talk about, they come to board meetings, uh, they plan out the service projects. And they're like, they're present at board meetings. We actually have time allotted for them to do a community builder or if they want to just talk about what's going on in the program to give us updates. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I think that's a really cool thing about our organization is when I think a youth-led, this is truly, to me, what youth-led means. Uh, 
So they, we tackle a lot of issues on race, gender. Uh, we're talking a lot about homelessness now just because, I mean, our city. There's there's a special now called Seattle is Dying. I don't know yeah. if you saw it. Okay, I didn't actually see it, but I heard about it. I heard it was terrible. It's it was terrible, yeah. yeah. It's If you're not from Seattle and you're watching it, you're like, oh, my God, I would never come to this city. Yeah. Maybe that's the point. <laughs> and maybe that's what it is point. But, I mean, it is true, our, our homelessness. And I think it's a different type of homelessness than what we had when I was growing up. Yeah, it's like, and what's the pathway there? It's like, I think, you know, 70% of homeless people have a criminal record. Yeah. And so we're, you know, the prison scholar funding, we, we want to address that. But is it like a really direct linkage from prison to homelessness? Or in your case, you know, youth? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a lot with mental illness, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we um, and we tackle a lot too. Um, you know, we have a mentor training, and we talk a lot about mental illness because um, we have physical and emotional risk in our program. And so, I think the youth. Um, we've had some statistics too that we've been tracking data about our youth and who are suffering some from some type of mental illness, and after this, they've gone through their time to the service board, how it's helped them develop. And we saw a drop in youth. Um, just having depression and things like that. And we have some youth in foster care. Um, we have youth who say, you know, who may be suicidal. So TSB has really been their family and community to come to if they uh, have those thoughts or uh, just want, want to talk about anything in their lives that can cause any type of mental illness or if they've been so-called diagnosed with a, a mental um, illness. Yeah, and, and I think to, to speak more on that point about community, um, our communities have changed so much with gentrification. A lot of our youth whose families are from Seattle no longer live in the city, and they don't have a sense of community. So for, for them, TSB is, is their community. Um, and, and that's intentional. We, you know, we, we want to build up a sense of trust and belonging um, and love uh, for our youth to be able to want to go and do things like snowboard or because they, they come twice a week to TSB. That's a lot of time when you're in high school. And some of our youth are involved in other clubs or even play sports. So for them to be as committed and dedicated to this organization says a lot about how we create this uh, place, a safe space. So where are you located? Where's your headquarters? So we are in West Seattle in um, Youngstown, right off of Del Ridge. Okay. And where's kind of like, what's the, the radius of people you can help? Because it sounds like they come twice a week. Mm -hmm. Is is uh, is distance a factor where you can't reach a lot of people? So we're, we we always talk about accessibility and how can we make, um, making sure that all youth can get to programs. So we actually have our program nights in um uh, and Filipino Community Center, which is right close to a light rail station, um, right there in MLK in South Seattle. And we feel that's a good kind of meeting point for everyone because it's just really not accessible to get to West Seattle sometimes too in, in traffic. So uh, this is great. It's right on a major bus line, major transportation. Um, and then anytime we do any type of service project, we always make sure that there is transportation. We have a van. Um, when we go to the mountain, we use charter buses. And then our mentors have been so great in making sure that youth have rides to and from program. Very cool. So when you, how long have you been at TSB? I've been at TSB, it'll be two years next month. So what's the biggest fire you had to put out? Uh, when I first started, that, yeah, yeah. the board was so transparent with me. They're like, we have to bring you in as an interim because we don't know if we'll have enough money to keep you. Uh, but we have this huge event coming up. 
Oh, very cool. Yeah. So you have to eat what you kill. Yeah. And so basically, we have a venue, but that's all we have at this point, and the event is in two months. Here's a blank canvas. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. So I was like, okay, let me go and get sponsorship. Let me find people to come. Let's get some materials made. Um, and the great thing about the service board, I think, which is why they have to put out so many fires, is we have such a great community that's coming and willing to support staff in any type of way. So like the first like week I started, I must have met so many mentors and volunteers and all of them said the exact same thing. What can I do to help you? And to have a community like that is is like unheard of and unbelievable. So we were able to put on the event because we had all those folks involved. That's really cool. And the other part question I had was like when they hired you, did they have a vision of what they wanted the organization to do and they wanted maybe your vision to match theirs or did they just say, hey, figure it out or well they were like we you are an expert we can tell that you have experience in this and you're um, we trust you to say what can we do to make sure that this organization gets to the place where you think it should go wow that's a great partnership with your board I know and I think that's my thing is like I think when boards go through crisis they can either come out you know <laughs> either <laughs> they're great and they're like supportive of the staff and they want to work together or they're like I'm out of here yeah, they flee <laughs> yeah. but that's good things like you would rather have that know up front to know where yeah. they stand and so it was great to know that they trusted me enough to figure out how this organization was going to survive through the rest of the year because that's literally where we were at survival mode. And I think now we're a little bit out of survival mode, but we are still working to be stable. So how big is your board? Our board, well, 15 max, and right now okay. we're at 11, but um, we're going to bring 15 is your cap. Yeah. And I think that's good, because if you have too many cooks at the, in the kitchen, yeah. you already know. <laughs> yeah, I hear that from, everyone has a different number. Some like yeah. seven to nine, you know, 15 could be okay if they're on committees. Yeah. Or like how many... And how many coalesce or gel it? Do you have monthly meetings? Yeah, or? so we have monthly meetings. So it is a hefty time commitment, and we have committees. So I think that's important to have. I think 15 is a good number for us. And you so, can manage that. Yeah, and, and something that the organization can manage, I think, as well. And it also makes us very strategic on who we put on the board. Because if we're just accepting, because we have a lot of folks who are great community members that we do have on the board, but we want to make sure that our board is diverse in many ways if we really want to make sure that we can sustain um, TSB, you know, in the future. So, like, as far as uh, managing your board, like, one, one of my mentors told me that a good executive director should have coffee with every board member once a month. But if you have 15 board members, that's a lot of coffees when you should also be <laughs> fundraising. So kind of, A, how do you steward the board or manage up? And then B, what's what's the board's role in fundraising? Um, so let me talk first about fundraising. Yeah. I think that, so I, a lot of the board members, when they came on the board, fundraising wasn't something that was talked about, which we definitely changed. <laughs> and they're done that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but I, I think everyone understands the importance of fundraising because they've seen where TSB has been in the past few years. Um, and we try and make fundraising more digestible uh, because automatically people, when they think of fundraising, they, I have to ask people for money. But we always talk about fundraising can mean a, a multitude of things. For example? For example, fundraising can just mean when you're at a dinner party with six of your friends, you know, who, you know, who know you have money, just talk about, talk open, about, it. Talk yeah. about what you're doing, right? Um, uh, when we have our fundraiser, just invite people to sit at your table. Yeah. If anything, they're coming, they don't have to pay anything, they get a nice meal, and they have fun. 
Uh, so we talked about that. Another part of fundraising is, hey, you are a good graphic designer. Can you help us put some designs together to showcase our data, for example? And these are all things that our board members have done. And so you're bringing in money that way because we know not everyone's not going to have a huge network yeah. or even have the financial capacity to give a huge gift every year. And did you have a set amount or do you have give or get? Or oh, yeah, I mean, we, I, I kind of say give or get. Um, I, we do a suggested um, donation for Something the year. significant. Yeah. yeah, and we always say make sure that TSB is your so-called uh, charity of choice. Yeah. <laughs> so... That seems to work. And that's really the hard part because you can kind of think of being on a board as being a parent to a child because the nonprofit is really your kid. And when people say, oh, I don't know how to fundraise, it's like, well, if you were a parent, you're not going to let your kid starve. You're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You can either directly fundraise or you can do these other things to support you. Yeah. And I think, too, it's a reciprocal relationship as well. Like if my board members text me or email me, it's important that I respond back to them, you know, at least within the day. Because if they're investing in the organization, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm investing in board members. Well, that's a good sign is if your board member is emailing you, they're engaged. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, you know, I've, I've, I've never had any terrible board members like that, but yeah. I've heard horror stories that, you know, that, that they just ghost, they disappear, they never come to meetings. Well... You have to like nudge them several times. <laughs> I would say like, first email, maybe two or three emails later. Curtain caps. Yeah, and you have to kind of like you said, you have to. If it's not sitting down having coffee with your board members, you know, individually, but you have to get the to get to know them somehow because some people are better. At, like they like text messages. Some people want to talk on the phone for fifteen minutes. So you just have to understand your board members. Just like you said, if you're a parent. Your child, all your children are different. You can't yeah. parent all your children the same way. Especially if they're if they're on multiple boards, you have to pick a favorite yeah. kid. That's exactly, really it is really hard. And luckily, a lot of our board members, I'd say almost all of them, are, TSB is the only board they're on, but uh, they do do other volunteer work in the community. So when we have board meetings, I want to make sure that we only have you here for two hours. We're not just wasting your time. Yeah, or two hours max, and sometimes yeah. they can get some of that back. Yeah. Exactly. So, and it's and it's fun too. You know, some people dread going to board meetings. When you make it fun, it's hard not to want to go. Do you have board meetings on the slopes? I wish that'd be fun. <laughs> not, but not yet. Not yet. But the, and I don't know the distance would, would deter people. But um, we have them actually at Perkins Coie, which most people have them in normal boardrooms. Oh, do you have a board member? Yeah, there. Oh, perfect. And but it's nice because no one really has to worry. I mean, it's just nice, you know, going to a law firm. They have coffee and cookies, and <laughs> it seems so official. Yeah, and the parking's covered, and I think it's just a way for us to get in a different space. Um, but we still, we always open up the board meetings just asking people how their days are. So really not just going straight into business, but having some time to fellowship. Okay, very cool. And as far as like the composition of your board, like there's a trade-off between the more talented and maybe high net worth the person is, the less time they have. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of that is maybe the people who are really passionate about what you do closer to the issue mm -hmm. might not have the connections, might not have the money, mm -hmm. but have a lot loss of time. So how do you kind of balance do you have a diverse group on your board, or do you kind of go after? Yeah, I think heavy we. Hitters? Yeah, I, I would love some heavy hitters on the board. Uh, we probably have a couple at this point, uh, so we just had to figure out a new strategy. If we can't get these heavy hitters on the board because we're such a small nonprofit, it's like how can we get access to them? So. Yeah, how What's your hustle like? <laughs> like? You're raising money, you're funding board members. What does that look like? What's your day look like? I think I mean I've just been very fortunate. I think in my career to have met some really cool and high net worth individuals and just kept in contact with them so they kind of follow me from org to org because at UNCF I had a heavy hitter board we're a national organization 
but I think um, when they get to, to, to know you, like any leader, and if they want it, they'll invest in a leader, the person. So so as development director at Can, you probably developed a, a group of followers that really supported you. And then when you came to TSB, did you kind of, some of those donors came with you? Yeah, and it's interesting because actually I had people come from UNCF to Can. Okay. And so we had to build up some relationship there. And then yeah, at Can, I was only there for like a year and a half. So there are some folks that I, I did get to meet. Yeah, I think the average life of a development director is two years. Yeah, and I, I know I stayed at UNCF as a director. And I was like, it was a development director role, even though you were controlling the whole and, office. And every time you move, you're taking all these people with you. Yeah. So, so did, they, did that hurt their feelings when, like, when no. you left? And... Well, because a lot of them still support the, the organization oh, still. It's and. It's no. an and. Yeah. and. And sometimes it can't be an and, but in most cases, there's such huge corporations that they can do an and. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's just being out there, like being part of groups like SVP has been awesome. Meeting some folks there, I just think I've 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 just networked with a lot of different circles to where I can get them interested in what I'm doing. If they want to support, that's awesome. But that's not my first intention when I meet someone who does have the capacity. Like definitely donate TSP because it might not be their interest. But if they do find interest, I'll make sure they, they find us. So we met at Social Venture Partners in the Brainerd Fellowship Program. Yeah. So talk to me about that, and, and how did you get involved in that program? You know, it's funny. I was at, uh, so at CAN, we were investee of SVP. So we did a, we did a, I don't know if it's necessarily a workshop, but they invited some nonprofits to come in and kind of go, tackle some of the social issues um, with some of the partners. And I was there, and uh, Dawn Trudeau, who is one of the other sonics, and she's also SVP partner, who, and she's just an amazing person. She came up to me and she was like, have you heard of the Brainerd Fellowship? And I was like, I've never heard of it. She's like, I think you should apply. So just the next year I applied and it was, it was, it's been an awesome experience. I've sat on the um, uh, education collective action team where we give out grants to education nonprofits that are working together to kind of solve some of these social problems, or I should say more uh, educational uh, problems. Um, yeah, so being on that group has been great and um, really let me see from the other side as a funder what funders are looking for, but also uh, have a voice from the other side too. Like, we may want to rethink this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, are you still involved? Yeah, I still, um, this year I won't be able to sit on the committee just because uh, I actually am part of another fellowship um, with the Jackson um, Foundation. I'm a fellow there this year. Oh, really? Tell me about that. Uh, so, the Jackson Foundation of Senator Jackson. Uh, Scoop Jackson, as most people know him. Um, the, oh, Scoop. Huh? Yes, Scoop. Um, but his values are very similar to my values and also the values that we have at TSB. And the fellowship is this opportunity for um, young professionals to come together and work with the foundation um, and to do projects, but also work with each other to solve some of the projects that we feel are important in our communities and looking at it from a civic engagement lens. Is it kind of a networking thing or is it cash involved? Yeah, so it's actually, the fellowship is eight months. And um, there's a cohort of, I think, I want to say eight. I'm probably quoting it wrong. Maybe eight or nine of us. And we are, are with each other for eight months. And we get professional development training, but we also work on a project together, uh, um, something that uh, revolves around something about civic engagement um, or leadership issues. Uh, so we talk about that, and then we go to D.C. Um, oh, at the cool. end in January and meet some of our elected officials there. So you, that hasn't cool. happened yet? That's coming up? It's coming up in January. So we, the fellowship actually starts in October. Um, so we've just been having some, you know, like, meet and greets and, and things like that this month. 
Congratulations. Yeah, so that's a really cool opportunity for me. Super excited. So I'm taking a, just a stepping back from SVP just this year to, to focus on that because I still have to, <laughs> you know, I still have TSB. Yeah. Uh, and we're still tackling our own issues. Um, but I think we're, we're heading in such a great direction. So in your space, what do you do? Who's your competition? In our space, as far as other nonprofits. Yeah, like the service board. Like, yeah. who, who does anything similar to what you do? Really? Nobody. I mean, we've been around for 24 years. I'd say the closest would be maybe SOS Outreach, which is another great organization we're trying to partner with, but they're more on a national scale, and they really don't tackle social and environmental justice the way that we do it. Um, and I'd say another great thing about our organization is we're 100% POC-led. So I think that's important too, um, POC, people of color. And I think that's important in our communities because that's the type of communities that we're dealing with. Um, and it's important for our youth to see leaders that look like them to say, okay, you can be in this position as well. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. It's funny, when I was in prison, I had a good friend, his name was Matt, and uh, I'll leave his last name out. In case he's <laughs> in case he's like, oh. uh, and uh, his idea, you know, maybe back in 2015, was having something almost exactly like you because yeah. He was a, uh, I think I want to say competitive biker, like mm. bicycles, like BMX. And yeah. then he did like motor, motocross and all sorts of stuff like that. And he's thinking, I should start, because I was running the Prison Scholar Fund for prison. And he thought, oh, I should start a nonprofit too, maybe having underrepresented youth learning how to ride BMX and dirt bikes and mm. do like, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's almost like in the same group. I don't yeah. think he got out and actually did it. Yeah, so when you put it that way, there are other groups that do outdoor things like Bike Works. Bike, bike Works, Works is, great. is a great program. Um, and our founder, it's, it's funny because our founder helped found Bike Works too. Okay. Um, Washington Bus is kind of similar in the fact when we look at the civic engagement part and really tackling social justice in that way, working with youth and, and being another youth-led organization. Um, they're outdoors for all, even though they're not necessarily tackling our communities, they're still tackling a marginalized community, getting out there into the outdoors and giving them access. Uh, so there's a lot of great organizations and I feel we're kind of similar and so we're trying to find ways to all partner together uh, because it just makes sense. So where do you want to go? What's, what's next for you and what's next for TSB? Oh, I think next for TSB is um, we just got a huge grant from the Soderbergh Foundation. Congrats. Yeah, so we're super excited about that. Um, so we have five years of funding. So wow. I always tell people, you know we're going to be around for five years for sure. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so our next thing I think is to build on that and kind of look at our staffing structure and see what, uh, where we need to be. Uh, working on our next strategic plan for the next three years at TSB, um, continuing to uh, just, I would say, not necessarily perfect our program, but I think really revamp our programs um, to really include more youth voice. Um, so I think that's a big priority for, for us. And since you're called the service board, are you sticking with boards? Or you need to do like climbing and yeah. other, other kind of things? Yeah, so we've done, we did some hiking over the summer. I think we just want to get our youth out to outdoors doing things that they necessarily not had exposure to. So we also talked about doing some, yeah, some rock climbing. Vertical Generation is another cool nonprofit that we want to work with. Um, we want to get out there and do, um, so we started surfing. We also talked about biking, cycling too. Okay. So doing some partnerships with Bike Works. Uh, so just getting our youth out there. So, yeah, so do you want to expand? Are you going from mountain to mountain? Because we have 
Idaho, Montana, go down the coast. Yeah. So we talked about like that is that is a big goal of ours to to expand um, programming to we're looking even going into Oregon because we actually go to Mount Hood. Yeah. Uh, for the Yeah. You get Baker up north. Yep. And you have so many, yeah, there's so many cool things to do there out in nature. Um, so that was another thing if we talked about expanding would be, we definitely starting there. I mean, these are all big goals. We need the funding, of course, but uh, if we get there, definitely something we want to do. Yeah, how big is your staff now? Um, we're at four. Okay. Which is good. When I started, there was two of us. <laughs> so, so you've grown 100%. Yeah. How big is your Devo team? Um, myself. Okay. Um, well, well You're the chief fundraiser. Yeah. Um, but no, we have a program. We have a development manager now. She got promoted. She's awesome. But she's been spending forty percent of her time doing our, our our bookkeeping. So we're actually have some funding now to hire a part time bookkeeper, so she can focus a lot more on development work. Okay. And someone's suggesting that. We should be CEOs because corporations yeah. don't know what executive director is and they think it's some kind of low-level position. Yeah. But then someone else was telling me that we really should be CEOs until we have $100 million in revenue. So where's the, where, yeah, do you become, where's, where, where do you want to reframe yourself? Yeah. And then a lot of, some of the nonprofits are doing co-executive directors or they'll have like a director of policy or something. Yeah. Like a deputy director. Yeah, I remember when I was at SVP, we were evaluating a, uh, a potential fundee. And they had three EDs. They all shared their role. Yeah. And so that was a really interesting conversation because, like, okay, who's actually in charge? Yeah. Where does the buck stop? Yeah. And and that's why I said I said who the board members know who to go to, and yeah. that's extra work if they're having to deal with three people. My thing is, I'm just like, it's all on how you um, position your leader and how you communicate out to the rest of your team what your role is, because I think it's just a power dynamic there. It's just a title thing for some folks. And for me, it's like, yes, I, I lead up TSB, but there's so many other people that make this work. So for me, I'm just a, a facilitator, like a liaison to making sure stuff gets done. Um, so if there's something program related, you know, I let our program manager handle that because that, that's his wheelhouse and that should be, you know, he should be the expert on that. And so for my thing is just, I'm just making sure the team can operate and function the way it needs to operate. And of course, you have your GoPros attached to the helmets for the, the kids or, or how do they feel about respecting their privacy being kids? Yeah. And I, I, I think that's something that we ask them, you know, where their comfort level is at. And a lot of them don't mind. I mean, a lot of them love social media. So you got some great snowboard pictures? Oh, yeah. So if you go on their social media, uh, we have an Instagram page. It's a service board. A lot. And, and our youth manage that. So there's a lot of cool stuff you on there. You have the pros managing it. Yeah. I tried to post once, okay? And they once. <laughs> well, I posed a couple times. But this particular instant, a couple of our youth came up to me and was like, Lacey, we knew you were going to say that. That's so old school. Wait, what did you say? I just said something like riding the waves or something. Surfing the waves? Yeah. And they were like, we knew you were going to post that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to change it. What should I say? <laughs> Um, you just hand it over. To yeah, them. so if they're the best folks to do that. They want to start a Snapchat for us, and I'm like, that's fine. I don't even know really what Snapchat how it <laughs> works, so you do whatever. Um, and there, and I trust them to that point because I TSB the way we just build up our youth. It's like everyone has a common understanding. We have community agreements. So I everyone's like, oh, how do you trust the youth and board meetings that they're not going out telling people how bad TSB is? Like we're donating money sometimes, and I'm like. You know what? We have to give our youth. We have to be able to trust them and know that they can be professional. The fact that you know, that people already think they're not professional is, is not okay. Yeah. So um, we talk a lot with our youth about being professional and how to facilitate and um, you know you know honoring your truth and but respecting other people's space. So. Well, very cool. Thank you for sharing everything you've done. Yeah. So what's what's uh, what's one takeaway maybe uh, our audience should listen to from what you do? 
from what I do, oh, I think it's just giving the youth a, a voice. And um, when you get access to something, you feel like you have a voice. It's because you that, that comfort level comes out. So I think that's the biggest thing that we do at TSB, and, and I love it. And I love being able to be the learner in a lot of situations. So Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you for having me. I love interviewing amazing people. You guys do amazing <laughs> stuff over there. Thank you. All right. We look forward to see what's next. Yeah. Definitely check us out. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, you can Twitter. Give, give me all your uh, your hashtags. My, I'll my handles, yeah. Okay, I'll make sure you give those all. But yeah, it's the service board. Make it real easy. Yeah. All of our, ha our our handles. It's the same for all of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>